Today we are joined by Tor Linden. Tor is a co-founder of The Hockey Path, a skills development business for elite Div 1 and junior players, and a current pro player with the Fort Wayne Comets of the ECHL. Hockey is a sport dominated by skill, but knowing how to level up your game and study the game can be a daunting task. In this episode, we cover the fundamental skills you need to succeed in hockey, how to build your hockey IQ, what you can learn from watching NHL players, and much more. If you're looking for a one-stop shop for elite hockey training, our remote training options is where you should start. MPR Remote is an online training platform that delivers our four-step hockey training framework directly to your phone. It includes in-season and off-season options and comes complete with the speed, power, conditioning, and recovery work needed to prepare and play at an elite level. It is packed with extras such as our members-only community for 24-7 access to an MPR performance coach. You can check out our remote options by heading to the link in the show notes. Promo code PODCAST25 will get you 25% off any of our products that we offer. Now, on with the show. You're listening to the Game Ready Podcast, a show dedicated to helping you level up your game on and off the ice. If you're looking to level up your on-ice skills, your off-ice training, gain a mental edge, and learn how to fuel your body for performance, this is the show for you. Let's get Game Ready. So today we're joined by uh, Tor Linden. He runs the Instagram page, The Hockey Path, uh, skills coach. And uh, Tor, thank you for joining the show, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's good to be here. So obviously we got we got talking there before I hit record. Um, you're uh, obviously a skills coach. I thought it'd be good to get you on to talk about some skills as I'm, I'm coming from the strength realm and I don't really have a lot to offer players in terms of like skill development. So I guess we'll, we'll jump right in with what you think the basics of skill development are. I know from the strength world, for me, like every player that I get, they need to move well first, and then we need to build up their capacity and their foundational strength before we get into anything really advanced. So from the skills perspective, what do you think every hockey player needs to possess and those attributes that that they need to possess before you even start to think about anything advanced? Yeah, I think every hockey player needs to start with uh, skating. Um, Like for me, I started... Uh, figure skating actually uh, first um, just to kind of get the basics down that didn't even have a stick for the first six months. Um, I think a lot of, a lot of players start like that, but um, yeah, skating is extremely important now. Obviously it's a fast game. So I think that's kind of the first step. Like you need to be able to skate before you can kind of worry about the other skills because um, getting up and down the ice is obviously one of the most important parts now. Yeah, for sure. Um, That's a cool background. I I feel like you're seeing that, more often now with with players starting with the like the figure skating background how how did that kind of help your like did you start that before you started playing hockey or was that kind of as you were playing hockey type deal yeah it was just like recommended to my parents that they put me in figure skates first and and work on pure skating um and not even start you know with a stick or competing against anybody for six months so um like i said just purely working on the skating and it wasn't you know, it wasn't the most fun, but they made me stick with it and then um, end up uh, working out and paying dividends because I feel like I was ahead of the guys who kind of started doing power skating and stuff like that later. For sure. Did, did you feel like there was any sort of gap? Like I know like kind of the figure skating is more, I would say like finesse, like less less power skating, less like about like accelerations and getting off the line kind of thing and more about like your edges and stuff. Did you find that it, it carried over to power skating or did you find you were kind of like lagging behind in your ability to like, like we say, accelerate and those sorts of things? 
I honestly can't remember. I was like four and a half when I switched over, <laughs> I think. So uh, it's kind of tough to say, but I do remember that the uh, the transition from figure skates to hockey skates was a bit of a shock, I think my parents said, but that's all I really remember. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, no, that's that's cool. Uh, so skating, definitely the biggest um, the skill that you need to develop first foundational, obviously, the game's played on skates. What um, What are the biggest gaps outside of skating that you see in today's game? So, like, you work with a lot of youth athletes up into the university sector, college sector. Like, are there any gaps that you're seeing that are kind of recurring that you, you see with a lot of players that youth are just kind of missing out on these days for whatever reason? Yeah, I think, uh, I think the biggest thing that I see is hockey IQ. Like, um, there's a lot of kids that can skate, a lot of kids that can, you know, beat a guy one-on-one and stuff. But um, I think the kids that continue to move on to the next levels are the ones that um, kind of see the play before it's happening and um, under understand the game well enough defensively and offensively um, to see the game ahead, like um, having a good stick in the right areas, um, just knowing where to be on the forward check, like just doing the right things at the right times. Um, I think a lot of uh, scouts and GMs and college coaches are starting to uh, pick that up more. So um, I think that can be a real separator for players at at a young age um, if they're able to develop that early and then kind of carry that throughout their careers. For sure. Yeah, I think you hear that talked about a lot, like the hockey IQ and some of the best players in the game just like know where to be at the right times. How, How can players, I mean, like it's kind of one of those things that, you kind of learn by doing like you kind of got to play hockey to just to get it and like figure it out is there any way that players can develop that because obviously if you're only figuring it out in the game you might be a step behind right and you you kind of want to be practicing it and learning it before you're stepping out onto the ice is there any ways that you guys use or that you recommend players can use to develop kind of those hockey iq skills without actually just playing the game itself yeah, no, it's a good point about the repetition and obviously playing a lot of games helps. But outside of that, like honestly, what we do at the Hockey Pass, like watching video, um, you have college and pro players going over um, shifts of these youth hockey players and going through their games and teaching them um, little tricks and, and hockey IQ plays um, that we're seeing at the next level that college coaches are looking for, that pro coaches are looking for. Um, so we're kind of able to give them that edge. Like for me, I didn't start watching video until I was 18. Um, but now kids, we have eight-year-olds that have their live bar games up. It's it's insane. So um, kids are starting early with watching their own clips and, and having coaches watch their clips. Um, so I think that part of it uh, really helps because I don't think uh, I don't think young players are watching NHL games as much as they used to. I think they're watching right. a lot of highlights and, and stuff like that, but I don't think they're watching full games and, and getting the little things um, that they're doing so well. Um, so I think that's a big part is, is watching your full shifts and having someone who understands the game to go through it with you. For sure. Do you, so do you recommend like that? That's crazy that eight year olds are watching video now. Do you recommend that? Like, I know, I know a lot of like higher level youth organizations will like film the games just for video for practices and that sort of thing. Do you recommend that players are like watching their own video and like, if, if they can, they can get someone to film film the game for them and at least their shifts and they can just look back. Yeah, it's a balance. Like, you don't want to have burnout either. You want the kids to still enjoy the game. Like, I still think eight years old is, is way too young, but um, we have mostly between probably 12 and 16-year-olds that we work with. Uh, I think those are great ages to kind of, 
you know, hone in on some of the big um, areas of hockey that hockey IQ matters in. Um, so that's, that's been big for us, but um, yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. You mentioned there a couple of times about like kids starting so early and they spend so much time on this stuff. Now I want to touch on that in a minute, but I want to dig a little deeper into this video analysis thing. So how can players, like, it's one thing to notice something that you see on film, right? And then it's another thing to execute in a game. There's a whole, like, mental aspect that goes with that, the confidence to actually do it. How are you helping players bridge that gap between, like, okay, they can they can identify it in film, they know where they should be, or they know that they did that wrong, and actually executing on that on the ice? Is there any, like, techniques or anything that you use to help players kind of bridge that gap between film and on ice? Yeah, it's a good question. Obviously, like... So we do 30 to 40, 45 minute video sessions and there can be a lot of content that's covered, but I like to start it off by, you know, asking um, how their game was, like what they thought they could improve on stuff like that. And then at the end of the session, I'll ask them, okay, what are like three things that you learned and that you're going to bring to next weekend when you play? Um, and honestly, like I usually see one or two of those things improved upon um, the next time we do video, like I see them thinking about it during the game. Um, and that's all we can hope for, hope, hope for, obviously it's compounded interest, right? So, um, they have, you know, a video session once a week and, um, if every week they're improving in one area, then they're going to be a lot better by the end of the season. So that's kind of what we, what we try and do, um, focus on a couple of things, build on it. And then obviously we get more advanced as we go on throughout the year. For sure. That's a good point of like actually taking it away from film. Cause like, there's, like, like you're saying, watching film is important but there's no point in watching a bunch of film if you're not actually like implementing the things that you're watching it's like those people that read a ton of books but never actually learn anything so it's like if you could just take like you don't have to take every single thing from the video and like implement it next weekend right it's every time you watch video pick up one or one or three things and and work on that i love that you you talked about uh kids not really watching nhl a whole lot and i would i would agree with you it's much more like clip based watch this goal watch someone you know, dangle and score, right? If kids are watching NHL games, which I think it's probably good, it's like free video sessions in a way. How, what do you think like they should be looking for? Is there patterns they, they should recognize or be recognizing? How can they, how can they quote unquote use their NH or like their game watching as study time? I would say like, are, what are they, what should they be looking for position wise? So say someone plays center, they're watching an NHL game what should they be kind of taking from that game rather than just like watching the game, if that makes sense? Yeah, it's a good question. I think uh, obviously following around uh, one of your favorite players that plays your position is a great way to do it. Um, and not only when they have the puck, like I'm talking defensively too, like you can't always watch the guys that have the puck. You have to you have to see the whole ice sheet because um, that's a huge part of the game, right? You're not going to have the puck for more than however much time um, in a game. So I think it's about, you know, following around a player that plays your position. Um, D zone, you can pick up certain tendencies that guys are doing away from the puck, um, stuff like that. And then obviously like routes, like NHL players um, forwards specifically, like they have to find a lot of soft ice. They have to find a lot of areas in the neutral zone to get open. Like um, NHL players are so good at that. And there's so little space out there um, that like if these youth players are watching that, they can find different areas to turn into to get the puck or um, to get in a guy's way, stuff like that, that they can pick up in a game that could make a huge difference for them. Right. No, that's a good point. Like those quote unquote soft skills. Like you said, the game's so skilled now. 
and you mentioned it already about hockey IQ being such an important piece of like being a great player. And so just being able to take those, everyone wants to be the flashy player and that those are the highlights that you see and that sort of thing. But I think the players that stick around in the league longer are the, are the guys with the, with the good hockey IQ that know where to be at the right time. Like you say, finding that, that soft space on the ice. Um, I want to go back to kids playing and doing things at such a young age now. So I know in the strength realm, I get this question a lot. Um, kids are like hockey's becoming a year-round sport now, right? Which is which is kind of insane that a ten-year-old is on the ice year-round. Um, but as a strength coach, like in the summertime, I'll get this question all the time: How much time should a kid be training? How much time should they spend on the ice? Whatever, right? And I can always give the perspective of a strength coach that, like, you know, you need to be lifting this much and you fill in the gaps with the with the skill work. In your eyes. How much time per week should kids be working on their skills and kind of how does that change throughout throughout the season? So off season to in season. Yeah, it's a good question. Um I really don't think there's a there's a perfect answer. Like it's different for every kid. Obviously there's some guys who can, you know, skate ten times in the summer and they come back and they're still gonna be amazing. Um there's certain guys that need to be regimented and have everything um go on the right way and, and be on the ice almost every day um, to make sure they're getting better during the summer. Um, it's just different for everyone. Like you have to find your balance throughout the summers and throughout your off time. Um, but I think when you're out there, you have to have certain things you're working on. You're not just going out to have a skill skate and set up some cones and um, make some deeks. Like there's a purpose to what you're doing. Um, whether that's, you know, uh, tipping pucks, staying in front of the goalie, tipping pucks, like, stuff like that that you need to work on in the summer versus just like going out and shooting pucks. Like there's different um, soft skills and hard skills that you can work on. Um, but like you said, you're, you're a strength coach. And I know a lot of strength coaches are pretty frustrated with how much time um, hockey players are actually able to work out in season, um, especially at the pro level, like there's not much time. So um, in the summer, it's really important to make sure your body's in the best possible shape it can be in because during the year it's, the workouts are, are few and far between at times because sometimes we're playing three to four games a week, right? So it's just about kind of finding a balance and what works for your body. Right. No, that's a good point. Is there, you mentioned there, like how many different skills there are that, that kids have to master these days. Is there a way, I guess, outside of hiring a skills coach, is there a way that they, like a kid can figure out what their low hanging fruit is? Like, so if a kid can't skate, obviously they should be out there working on their skating, right? If a kid can't shoot a puck, you need to work on your, your shooting more. Like there's low hanging fruit for, for every kid. Um, but sometimes it can be hard to pinpoint those things. And we already kind of touched on the soft skills of the game and having the hockey IQ. Is there things in your eyes that like scouts coaches are are looking for from, from those more dynamic players and, and how can players kind of go about figuring out is is it my shot that sucks is it my ability to you know battle net front is it my ability to tip pucks is there any way that you guys go about figuring that out for a kid in a way that a kid can just kind of just quote unquote figure that out on their own yeah i think it's i think it's different for everyone like um <clears throat> i think it's good to have like coaches throughout the year which can kind of talk to the kid and be like okay this is what you need to work on in the summer type of thing um, but I think a lot of college coaches are honestly looking for um, college and pro coaches are looking for like guys who just compete 
Um, so you kind of have to have that like competitive edge to you where, you know, you don't have the puck and you're coming back on the back check, like how, how fast are you driving your legs? Um, like, is it noticeable that you're, you're working really hard? Stuff like that um, is really key for uh, the next levels to see. Um, Cause obviously if they're looking at you, you're already going to be a pretty good, um, good player. It's about, you know, do you have those intangibles, which are really important. So, um, and then I think having like trusted hockey people that, trusted hockey minds around you that kind of understand you as a player and give you feedback is really important. Um, whether it's a, an old coach you had, or if your dad played something like that, that always helps as well. Yeah, that's a good point. It's funny. You mentioned that I was watching, I was like flipping through Instagram <clears throat> last night and I like just, this video popped up from a hockey scout who was, uh, at like a junior, like an OHL game or something. And he was talking about, he watched the whole game and there was only like two or three players on the ice that really had that, that grit, like only two or three players that you could notice, like shift after shift were like in the battles, really giving it their all. And it was like very noticeable that the other, you know, 30 players out like on the, on the two teams weren't really kind of competing at that higher level. And I thought it was a very interesting take from a scout who was like, he wasn't even looking at the the skill of anyone out there. He was looking at those guys that compete. So I think that's actually a, a great point that you brought up. Um, if we're talking attributes for, for different positions in your eyes, like, I don't know what your demographic looks like. If you work with more forwards, defensemen, or all of them, um, what are some attributes that you're looking for that should be foundational for D versus forwards? Uh, for D it's, it's going to be a lot of, uh, skating, obviously, like, um, you want a defenseman that's not going to get beat by a really fast forward. So. Um, they have to be transitionally sound, um, going, you know, forwards and backwards, um, edge work, angling, all that stuff. And then they have to be able to make a good first pass on the breakout. Like that's the other big thing. Like not every defenseman has to be super offensive, but, um, if you can make a good first pass and you're a good skater, um, you're going to be, um, very coveted by a lot of higher teams. Yeah, that's fair. And I I think you see the game going that way, like the, the guys who are dominating at the D position, like the Kale McCars of the of the yeah. league now are just like really smooth skaters, more offensive type defensemen. That's a good point. What about uh, forwards? Is it more just that hockey IQ thing that we were talking about, finding the soft space and that sort of thing? Yeah, yeah, I think hockey IQ is big. Like um, centers, hockey IQ is huge. Um, winning draws, being strong on the puck, uh, wingers obviously can have a little more, uh, flair to them. Um, you know, a little faster, don't have to be, um, unbelievable defensively, but it's still obviously really important. Still got to block shots and be in the right spots and then, um, find spots on the breakout, you know, create offense. So, um, but everyone's different. Um, all coaches are looking for different things, but there's obviously a few non-negotiables. Like you have to be a decent skater, you have to have good hockey IQ and you have to compete really hard. Um, and then whatever you have on top of that is, is, is a difference maker. Right. No, I think that's, I think that's important. Like that's, that'll be a good little nugget for, for kids to take away that like, we've already talked about how kids love highlights and they love like the, the highlight real goals and stuff, but everything I've gotten from these answers so far is just foundational things that every player can do. Right. It's like, be a good skater, know where to be on the ice and, and work hard. And you'll generally find success on the ice, which is, which is cool. And I think it's a good thing for, for kids to take away. And I think that leads into this next question, which I think we've probably already answered on a couple questions here, but there's so much skill in the game nowadays, right? 
And it's it's just be, that's what the game's become. It's less of quote unquote a big boys game and more just skill involved, right? The the best players are the the guys who can you know score forty goals a year. Um, in your eyes, what is what is separating those good from great like skilled players? So we'll take last year's draft for example with like a Bedard and like a Fantilli, right? They're both clearly a very skilled player, right? Both drafted top what was it? Fantilli was four, top four in the draft, right? So, but Bedard, it was touted as like a generational talent, which he is, right? What's kind of separating them? Like both of them have different attributes, right? Both of them have different skills to their game. Obviously, Bedard is that generational talent. But what is separating those like really elite, really good skill players from like the kind of good or average skilled players? Yeah. So I, I actually played against Fantilli five times last year um, at the oh, no at Michigan. So I got to kind of see it firsthand, but um, obviously he's, you know, he was 18 at the time um, playing against guys like me, 24, 25, like older college players. And he was like bigger, stronger, faster, more skilled than all of us um, at 18. So like he was that much better at 18. He also had a knack for the net. Like um, he scored on us in the NCAA tournament, just from no angle, the goalie had it covered somehow squeaked through, like he just found a way to get it done. Um, and obviously he had the skill, which was above everyone else's. Um, I think Bedard's, you know, obviously has that shot, which is just a difference maker. Um, he's worked on that like his whole life. And obviously he's had, you know, that whatever it was, hand or wrist injury. And then he was shooting with one hand and just never stopped um, shooting pucks and has like a different shot because of it. Like he was able to drag it in so far and get so much power from his top hand even. Um, which other we haven't seen before. Like um, guys like Matthews uh, can do that too, but there's not many players in the world which has have that ability. So um, having you know uh, one skill which which differentiates differentiates you from the rest is, is huge. Yeah, no, that's a good point, and that kind of goes back to what we just talked about finding like your low hanging fruit, finding where you can make the difference. I get this question from our players a lot or just players who like follow me on Instagram who are asking like, Hey, I'm not the most skilled guy on the ice. Like, how can I, how can I make the team or how can I separate myself? And it's like, my, my answer kind of sucks, but it's like, it is the answer. It's like, find, find the intangibles that allow you to contribute to the team, right? Like everyone wants the player on the team that's helping the team win. So like you, not everyone's the Bedard and not everyone has to be. Um, You need to find like what, what you can bring to the team and you need to work on that every day. So that's a good point Uh, going, going with that kind of team theme. We've talked a lot here about individual skills and how players can, can improve their individual skills. How, how do you balance and how should players balance individual versus team skills? So like there's obviously, uh, there's obviously a big component to like individual skills and players being individually skilled, but just being the best player doesn't automatically make your team good, right? And not everyone just wants that one skilled player. You take the example of like a McDavid. A McDavid on a shitty team, it's, it's awesome, but it's like it's not going to help the team win a cup, right? So how are you balancing players getting good individually, but also those team aspects of like being a good? There's a difference between being a really skilled player and being a player that fits into a system and fits into a team really well. How do you guys balance that at Hockey Path, and or do you guys work on that at all? Yeah, I think that that goes into like the hockey IQ side too. Like, 
Um, like you said, not everyone's going to be the most skilled player on the team. So there has to be different things that you're good at. There has to be, you know, face-off specialists and, and other things like that. Um, I think that's a really difficult thing for kids to learn at a young age too, is that they're not going to be always the star when they move up. Um, and a lot of kids can't really handle that. And that's why they end up quitting hockey at a young age versus, um, you know, sticking with it and, and not always being the top guy, but like finding something that differentiates yourself. Um, so I think it, it just comes back to like, you always have to love the game too. Like, even if you're not the star, so, um, because you're not always going to be the star, like, um, I think that's the biggest thing is like, for me, I was cut from my high school team, like went through a lot of adversity pretty young, um, in terms of hockey. And like, I could have quit, um, when things weren't going well, but I, I just loved the game so much that I didn't care if I was on the fourth line and getting scratched as long as, you know, I was still, I was still playing. So, um, just depends on the love for the game, I guess. Right. No, that's awesome. Yeah. And, and the, like, you have to really love the game, especially if you're going to try to make it a career. Every kid who plays hockey wants to play pro, right? And till you get to pro and you realize that pros are really, it's a grind. And you, once you get there, you need to really have that love for for the game, especially when it becomes a job and you're getting paid to do it. And so having the love for the game, I think that's a great answer. You, you touched on it there a little bit with the mental aspect. I'm interested to know how you guys address the mental aspect with skills training, because there can obviously be like a kid's confidence could get crushed, especially if you're in like group skill setting. Right. And they're the worst, worst player out there. Um, you could really crush your confidence with, you know, not being a drill buster or not, uh, not being the best at the, at the skill. Right. And so how do you foster that environment to make sure a kid maintains focus? So that if you're, if you're practicing shooting and you're missing the net nine times out of 10, it can, it really hurt your confidence, but it can also hurt your focus in your ability to just like bear down and like actually do the skill. And then you're not going to want to do it tomorrow, right? Especially if you really suck at it. So how are you addressing the, the mental aspect of skill development and making sure kids are staying focused, building that confidence? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, well, for our camps, like, uh, you know, last summer, we, we split it into different groups where we tried to arrange skill level and, and ages um, kind of within their own little group there to work on skills. Um, and then we kind of left it up to them. Like, this is um, whatever you guys want to work on. Like we'll, we'll arrange drills for you guys. And then um, just like make yourself better. Like, don't worry about what other kids are doing. Like that's why we separated them a bit. Um, obviously they're within players that would are within their skill set, but um, then just like compete with yourself, like try and be better. Like if we do a camp on, you know, Monday to Friday, just try and be a better version of yourself on Friday than you were on Monday. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think it's as a skills coach, like you're not coaching the team, like you're coaching individual players. So I think it's a little bit easier in that way um, where you can kind of like work with, work with different players on what they need to work on and get them feedback based on the type, type of player in person they are. Um, right. Some kids respond better to uh, criticism than others. So you have to kind of look into that too. But yeah, I think it's just about as a skills, skills coach, it's about the individual player and not just addressing the group. Yeah, that's fair. That, that's a good point. And it's like, it comes down as much onto the coach as it does onto the player, right? The player has to have like the mindset to just, like you said, compare yourself to who you were yesterday, not to who someone else is today. And then it's also like on the coach to make sure that, like, I think that's awesome that you guys are separating them into kind of buckets to make sure that they're not getting that discouraged like and it's a t it's a fine line to like make sure they're not like the worst in a group but also like they're 
being a they're challenged right so they you don't want everyone to be the best in the group because then no one's like forced to get better right so i like i like that approach to separating the groups out um i have a kind of a random question on your uh your opinion on like what are the biggest time wasters from a skill skills development standpoint so i'll give you a kind of an anecdote from the strength world like things like agility ladders for me are just a waste of time and like you'll see people post on instagram like get quick feet you know learn agility with these agility ladder drills when in reality like they're just kind of a waste of time they're just increasing your heart rate and not really actually building any foot speed um, they're great for like something like a warm-up but they're not going to do what you actually think they're doing from us from the skills realm what are those drills for you like what are the ones that kids maybe spend time on that you don't see as valuable for building long-term skill development yeah i think it goes back to that purpose like going out there with the purpose like kind of drives me crazy when um the kid will go out there and just like shoot with their head down you know at the same corner over and over again versus like Hey, how many times are you going to stand in the spot and just shoot the puck after stick handling 15 times, right? Versus like right. moving, like changing the angle, um, shooting with a purpose um, in different soft areas of the ice, not right in the slot, right? Like you right. got to be coming from behind the net and trying to elevate. You got to be shooting from the top of the circles. If you're a D, you should be shooting from all areas of the blue line. Um, and then like stick handling, like don't just like stick handle with your head down, right? Because if you do that in the game, you're going to get crushed. Um, right. So be moving, right? Um, have your head up looking around the ice and you're stick handling, like just basic things like that. Like, try and create everything um, like it's a game situation. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Kind of that practice how you play component, right? Like you say, you're not, there's never a time on the ice where you get a free, you get to stand still in the slot and just let it rip, right? Very, very few times that that happens. So I think that's a good point of practicing how you play. Torman, this was a, this was a quick one. We ripped through all these questions. The, uh, the last, uh, last question I have for your closing tradition on this podcast, and I hope I don't catch you off guard with this because I've caught pretty much all our guests off, off guard with this, but, um, it's the, uh, the five people that influence you the most. So there's that adage of you're the average of the five people you hang around with the most. I think in the digital world, you're the average of the five people you hang around with the most, but also the five people that you, you look to for inspiration, the five people you consume on Instagram or YouTube or whatever you do. Um, so I'm interested to hear what, who those five people are for you who've influenced you professionally, personally, or whatever to get to this point in your career. Yeah, I think it's a great, great question. I, I learned that pretty early on, the five people that you spend the most time with. Um, I, I love that. Uh, told a lot of people about that too, and I think it, it's really important. Um, but for me, uh, my parents uh, are my biggest influencers by far. Um, you know, they're my uh, my role models and who I've tried to model myself after as, as a person and um, work ethic-wise, um, very inspired by them. Um, and then obviously it's cliche, but, you know, other family members, my sisters, uh, my girlfriend as well, uh, was really inspiring, um, just being good people, um, and trying to make a difference in the world. Um, and then I think for like the last person, I would say there's a couple of different coaches that I've had throughout my career. Um, my college coach from RPI before I transferred to Penn State, Dave Smith, um, was really big on, uh, coaching leadership and, uh, really helped me help turn me into a leader on the team and um, just, yeah, make a difference. I feel like for the program um, 
and taught me different leadership skills that will not only help me in hockey, but later on in life and business or whatever it is. Um, so I think that was really important. And then, and then another coach I had was uh, Dan, Dan Wildfong down in Texas, junior hockey coach. Um, it was really hard, hard on us, hard on me, but um, <clears throat> I feel like it made me pretty, um, feel like I could go through a lot um, for hockey in, in, in life. So I think those are pretty easy answers for me, but um, definitely people that inspire me and, and made me a better person. Nice. That's awesome, man. Like I said, that was a quick one. Uh, you, you ripped through. I think you're just so damn efficient with answering those questions, but uh, I appreciate, I really appreciate your time, especially in the middle of a road trip for jumping on here with us. Um, for people who want to learn more about you, the hockey path and what you're doing down there, uh, where can we send them? Yeah. Uh, check out our Instagram, um, the hockey path. And uh, we're running skills camps uh, in June in Stanford. Um, we're also going to be uh, having a tournament team. Um, if you're interested, just send us a DM on Instagram or check out our website. Um, but yeah, and we'd love to coach coach you guys with uh, some video too. Um, we can watch your shifts and break it down for you. And we got lots of uh, division one and pro players, which are um, hoping to help you guys out. Awesome. I love that. Oh, well, like I say, man, I can't thank you enough for your time. I'll make sure I link all those things down in the show notes. Um, but yeah, thanks again. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. Thanks. Thanks for having me. This is great. No worries, man.